thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. With me, as always, my co-host, Mario. It's-a me, Mario. <laughs> I am your other co-host. Yoshi, I got you, Kirk. You thought, <laughs> you know, you've been out-propping me for all these weeks. You're done, son. It's over. You've met just, your match. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to describe to our listeners only, I am wearing a Tanuki Mario hat. It's a Mario red Mario hat with, uh, with the little ears, adorable ears. I look adorable. I'm in a red shirt as well. Facts. Karen has purchased what seems to be a $1,500 <laughs> Yoshi hat. That Worn by the actual Yoshi. <laughs> it's perfectly sculpted on top of his head. <laughs> It's absolutely the most incredible thing I've ever witnessed in my years of on this earth. I had to do this, Kirk, because I, I knew you were going to come heavy with the props, as you always do. And I just thought if, if for once I could just pull the rug out from under him and just level him with a prop of my own that is just as ridiculous. Uh, and this is it. This was my moment, and I took it. And it's preposterous. It's completely not practical at all. I can barely hear myself. I can barely hear you. <laughs> I can almost not see anything. The The Yoshi nose is working its way down my forehead and will soon eclipse both of my eyes to where I cannot see anymore. But I'm committed to wearing this for the entirety of the episode. Because right. I'm, it's like a, I'm a werewolf. Professional. It's like a werewolf. You will become Yoshi by the time. <laughs> it's enveloping me like venom. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. You're right. Oh, <laughs> and I'm going to be saying things like ween ha ho. <laughs> I will turn into Yoshi. Now, did you already own this? I did. Or? I did. Okay. This was a Christmas present. To um, you? No, no, no. Okay. I, I bought it for our children. I believe it's, either that or Santa brought it. I can't remember if I if I got it for them or if Santa brought it. Well, either way, either send a note to the big man or it's on my Christmas list now because that is just perfect. It's epic. And it further, you know, if you've ever noticed, um, this is a little little Easter egg for the fans out there. Um, if you ever play Mario games, specifically Mario Party or Mario Kart, they Nintendo will go to extreme lengths. Uh, Mario Golf, Mario Tennis also fall into this category. They will go to extreme lengths to not show Yoshi from the front and to always show his profile. The reason being oh. that his nose is just impractically ginormous and covers up both of his eyes, as you can see exhibited <laughs> on my head right now. And so it's ridiculous. And that is why, like, if you ever notice, there will be Mario games where every character in the character selection menu is facing forward and Yoshi is facing sideways so that you can tell who it is and it's not just a giant watermelon nose thing. That is incredible. I did not know that. I read a there lot of Super Mario facts with my son. He's got like eight. He's got the Mario encyclopedia. Yes. And that's not one I've come across. That's incredible. That's it's incredible true. information. It's true. So if you haven't guessed by now, what we are here to do today is to review in a spoiler free fashion. Death Wish 7, the 1984 <laughs> <laughs> sequel. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Joke's on you. <laughs> We're going to review uh, Sophie's Choice. This uh, <laughs> No, we, we are reviewing the Super Mario Bros. movie, the hottest animated movie in the world, the hottest movie in the world, period, right now. Had the biggest animated film opening ever globally, 
surpassing $350 million worth of revenue. Of course, it did release on a Wednesday, so it got a couple of extra days. But in those first three days, two of which were Wednesday and Thursday, in other words, work days, um, it grossed $200 million, $200 million, and then went on to add another 150 to that globally over the weekend. This thing is absolutely red hot, Kirk. Yeah, it's insane. The only way that we got to see it during the week was because my kids were on spring break. Yes. I took a day off work. I mean, this thing is big over in my house. I know it's big in cams as well. Um, thank goodness that, that I was I was able to sneak away and go see this. I'm very thankful for that. And man, did it make my kids happy. Yes. And so that's what we're here to discuss today, Kirk. We're going to discuss, uh, did they do, did they, did they do it? Did they do the dang thing? Did they make a good movie or did they movie, make a movie that we didn't like? And of course we're going to be discussing it spoiler free. We're going to, you know, keep away from the spoilers. We're going to keep away from any Easter eggs or anything like that, that happened in the film that will, that will take away from your joy. Cause that's not what we're here to do, but we're going to provide a thorough, uh, critique of this film and let you know what we thought of it. Um, did you see it just once, Kirk, or have you seen it multiple times by now? I only saw it once. My kids saw it a second time without me. Got you. Got you. Okay. Um, they stole my car keys and they drove the <laughs> I was theater. like, wait a second. No, I get it. Uh, Nine years grandparents old. Grandparents and, and things like that. I, I totally understand. But I, I was dragged to the movie theaters twice to see it. Yeah. That doesn't mean I wasn't actually dragged. I, I actually was doing the dragging because I love Mario so, so much. But... Um, Rest assured, this will be thorough. I think <laughs> both of our respective families have talked about nothing but this movie since it has come out, just because our kids are so unbelievably into it, and, and we're such huge Mario fans. So we're going to get into it now, and we're going to discuss this thing at length. Are you ready, Kirk? I'm so ready. All right, let's get into it. I have the honor and the privilege to synopse this film for you now, again, in a spoiler-free fashion. I will do so with a giant Yoshi on my head. I feel like uh, when Ricky Bobby in, in Talladega Nights, when he gets the Fig Newton sticker across the windshield, and he's like, this sticker is dangerous and inconvenient, but I do love Fig Newtons. That's exactly how I feel, because this is <laughs> this is an irresponsibly large Yoshi hat that I'm wearing, and uh, I, I'm too far in now to, to let go. But the synopsis of the Super Mario Bros. movie is effectively sort of the synopsis of the games, in a way. Mario and Luigi are brothers who are plumbers. And they are, um, you know, we start this movie seeing them as plumbers, which is an interesting way to begin, before they obviously enter the Mushroom Kingdom and begin a quest for rescuing it from Bowser. Um, And there are... You know, as you see in the trailers, there is an extensive build out of the Mushroom Kingdom and the various lands. Bowser is, of course, our main villain. And the plot of this movie is uh, basically how Mario works with Princess Peach and the various people around the Mushroom Kingdom to save it and uh, others who are endangered by Bowser's evil plot. So I don't want to go too much farther than that at at the risk of oversharing, but I think all of that's in the trailer and sets the stage for what we've got going on here. Kirk, what do you think? This one might be the hardest spoiler free review to give 
because so many people have seen this. So it's like, yeah, you know what happens. Watch us dance around the facts. But yeah, but I mean, yeah. And, and a lot of it's in the trailer. I mean, like it's not a spoiler to say that Donkey Kong is involved here. You know, the Kongs are heavily right. involved in all of the trailers. It's not, it's not a spoiler to say that, you know, Luigi ends up kidnapped. We see that in, in the trailers as well. We so do. I think, um, the resolution and the like is probably where the spoilers reside. And that's where we have to be careful. But this movie has been seen by a ton of people. So, um, which is great. Glad to see, glad to see movies winning at the box office. Any movie. I don't care if it's good, bad, whatever. I want, I want people watching movies in theaters. Mm. I don't know about you, but that's, that's where I'm at. Um, we do. let's get into this Kirk. We have a massive, um, extremely a list heavy, voice acting cast and we're going to start as we always do Kirk by by analyzing the voice acting performances in this film um, with a little category called and the Oscar goes to which will go to the best actor in the film and I have struggled with this one I've gone back and forth I've gone back and forth a lot Um, but I think for me I have to go with Chris Pratt I have to go with Chris Pratt who plays Mario and the reason for that is that this was a really difficult, um, next to impossible task, if not impossible in and of itself, just because Mario is such an iconic character with one of the most recognizable voices in the world. Probably only <laughs> the only people who have more recognizable voice than Mario is like what Mickey Mouse and like Elmo. I don't know, like those those. It's 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 one of those voices that as soon as you hear it, you know exactly who it is, and it's iconic. And many people have tried to replicate it, and it is a difficult thing to do. Um, for years, the character Mario has been played by Charles Martinet, um, who has done just an incredible job with the characters, uh, also playing Luigi and Wario and and many other characters in this universe. And turning it over to Chris Pratt was something that, obviously, if you have been on social media in the last year. Uh, garnered a ton of reactions. But here's the thing about the Mario voice that I think they understood so well when making this film is that an entire film of the caricature-ish Mario voice that we get in the video games would have been preposterous and almost impossible to listen to, frankly. Um, The reason the Mario voice works is because he's a character who doesn't talk very much. He's a character who only has a few catchphrases here and there. He says a few things, but his games are not dialogue heavy. And when there is dialogue, it's very rarely spoken. Uh, It's very, very rarely spoken. And so they had to go with a a whole new voice design altogether, and they had to find a way to justify it. And they did so. And what Chris Pratt landed on was a voice that was, you know, very, I think, noticeably, you could find him in it, but it was thoughtfully designed as a voice in general. It was it was reverent to the original Mario voice. Uh, he had certain moments where he tried to throw in parts of the original Mario voice, but it was really a voice that was carried around this interpretation of Mario and what they were trying to do in this film. And I think the thoughtfulness of that approach took me by surprise. I thought it was either going to be one way or the other, one way being him trying to imitate the Mario voice, the entire film, which I think would have been a bad call or him just being himself, uh, you know, essentially kind of what we saw in the Lego movie with Emmett. And 
I didn't feel comfortable with either of that, but where they landed and where, what he did with it, I am extremely comfortable with. And so he was given an impossible task and did pretty well. Um, and for that, I, I give him major props. And I think that he, you know, he, he got a ton of reactions before anyone had even seen the movie and now it's out there. He did the job and I think he did it pretty well, Kirk. So he's getting my Oscar. A lot of hate, a lot of hate came Chris Pratt's way. There was so, so much distraction to this movie because of the, the preliminary trailers and, and what would the voice sound like? It, it was very, it's upsetting at, at this point to be like, you haven't seen the movie. This is a trailer. Things are different in trailers. Give it a chance. Let it breathe a little. And correct me if I'm wrong, Cam, isn't the first time we heard Mario's voice in the N64 game? Is that correct? Yes. This is dialing back to my son's encyclopedia that I read. No, I think you're right. Um, and it wasn't even speaking. It was, Yahoo! you know, it was, it was jumping and wahoo. Yeah. It was lots wahoo. of like wall jumps and flips, but yeah, you're right. I mean, in super Mario world, all of that was still eight bit um, music. So they couldn't do voices really. Right. Right. And so we have, you know, this character was created in 1985. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was, early 2000s or late 90s late 90s yeah like 98 ish 99 the voice wasn't from the get-go so there's a lot of flexibility here he sounded like a sims character the first time he came out and let's give a little breathing room that's all that's all i gotta say for the chris pratt voice haters yeah and make the decision yourself when you go see it kids and adults kirk who are you giving your oscar to for this film i am gonna pull the rug out from underneath you cam Mm. Because most of the time I side with the lead protagonist and I did thoroughly enjoy Chris Pratt in his role. However, there was one person who characterized his role to the nth degree that the stars aligned. And I'm going to give my award to the Oscar goes to Mr. Jack Black. Yes. And I have a little trophy tonight with Jack Black's name on it. Just like that. It goes to him. Mr. Jack Black, you have the confidence of a thousand sons. I don't know how in the world you stand in front of anyone or sing at the level in which you do and create just an absolute electric atmosphere. I think I've used the word electric on the podcast a thousand times, but this this is the true definition. Jack Black, when he steps into a role, he is dialed to... 10 million because he wants to make sure that he gives all of himself lays it on the line and does not leave anything to question. Could I have done this better? Could I have done that better? Nothing. It's all there. You get Jack black as he is from, Oh, what, what's the Neil diamond movie with him and Jason Biggs and Steve Zahn, uh, like saving Silverman (laughs) to, to all the way to this, every, every iconic film he's been in. It's just so so good he is bowser it's the exact right balance of bowser and jack black um if they ever one day make this into a live action jack black has my blessing to step into the costume and take on this role uh because inevitably everything becomes live action so go ahead jack you've already got the role you've already got the oscar everything about him 
was so in tune with the absurdity of a giant turtle with spikes on his back uh, trying to capture a plumber and a princess and rule this tiny kingdom. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, that's a great pick, Kirk. And I, I mean, as you have probably guessed by now, that was kind of when I said I was waffling on who to give the Oscar to. Those were the two that I was waffling between because there's just no denying what Jack Black did in this movie. It was just purely him. And it was the exact reason that he was the right choice for this role. He totally, you know, as the kids say, understood the assignment. He, he understood it, you know, in a and and executed it in a way that only he can. And it was just brilliant. Um, I loved it. Jack Black is, is just a riotously awesome time. Anytime he's on screen and this was no different. So I love that you, highlighted his performance because for scene stealer, I wanted to go um, into some of these smaller performances and, and kind of shy away. So I'm glad that you gave Jack Black his flowers because now I don't feel pressured to do it in my scene stealer um, because he was great. But the one I have to give my flowers to for scene stealer is Keegan Michael key as, as toad. I love this performance as toad. He didn't get a ton of screen time. He didn't get a ton of dialogue, but he was perfect. I mean, he sounded like he didn't exactly sound like Toad because the actual Toad voice is insane. But he, what he also didn't sound like was Keegan Michael Key, um, which was really cool. He was one of the people in this movie um, who was completely unrecognizable. If if the recognizable spectrum starts on one end with Seth, Seth Rogen, who was not disguising his voice even a little tiny bit which is fine. Um, then Keegan-Michael Key, I think, is the other end of the spectrum who was uh, almost completely unrecognizable in this role. He was hilarious delivering lines in a, in just very creative ways. I love his very first line that he has that was featured in the trailer where he goes, don't touch that mushroom or you'll die. Like, it's so funny. Um, the delivery is perfect. And he's, the, he's just the perfect um, sort of Welcome to the Mushroom Kingdom character. As you can see in the trailer, when Mario comes out of the pipe, the very first character he comes into contact with is Toad. Um, and you kind of see them in the trailer walking through the Mushroom Kingdom. He is he is sort of our guide to the new world, our, our liaison. And it's just executed beautifully. Um, super fun, energetic, uh, well-delivered throughout. And I just loved it. I, I was cracking up anytime Toad was on the screen. And I, I wish we could have had... A, more screen time with him than we did. But frankly, like this movie was quick. It was really fast paced and uh, there probably wasn't more time for more toad than what we got. So uh, I'm happy with what we did get though. So Keegan Michael key. Um, it's got to get my, my scene stealer. Beautiful, beautiful. My scene stealer is short and sweet because it does go to Mr. Chris Pratt because he is our main character. He, he can't walk away without any, prizes tonight i have already stated it so i'm just gonna keep it at he had the impossible task he rose to the challenge and i'm so glad that when everyone was giving all that hate to him that he was just very silent about it he didn't comment on it until the movie released at the red carpet and then he started trickling out like well here's how i did it because chris pratt is actually a highly intelligent individual people sometimes forget because he's the comedic fall man he is uh, uh practically one of the three stooges with all the physical comedy he does and all the goofiness he does uh of course his his iconic role from parks and rec but he is 
so so smart and so many writers comedic writers so many dramatic actors have called him out on how intelligent he is when they like speak to him uh backstage and and see his his wheels turning and this is what it was he he said he he balanced out the voice of mario with everything that cam had said with with where they were coming from and finding the middle of it and seeing how it could be brought to a new light but true to the source material so I just I just want to be inside his head for one day because I feel like it would be an absolute amusement park uh, and education in the world that no one has ever seen before. So Chris Pratt, scene stealer, bravo. Yes, I love it. All right, Kirk, we're on to the production side of this, and this is one that you know everybody was wondering about. You've got you've got Disney, uh, sorry, Disney, N- Nintendo sort of coming out of the shadows here to bring their characters to life on the screen. They've had a tumultuous background um, with these characters being brought to life in media other than video games, and they have sort of shied away from it. Kirk, I know you're familiar with the games, but I just want to add a little bit of context for people who are perhaps not you know, as close to it. Nintendo guards their brand extremely closely. They do not... They're not licensing it out to Funko Pop or third-party, you know, manufacturers. Like, they really guard their stuff closely. They want it to look and feel like their characters all the time. And so for them to get into this and to choose Illumination to do it was a big leap of faith on their part. And so I think, you know, as we go forward to talk about the production of this, I want people to have that in mind because this is like, this is big for them and, and could, you know, if it goes well, you know, it could be, the future of, of how, you know, there could be more opportunities for stuff like this, which would be really interesting with that in mind. Let's move on to scene. Let's move on to showstopper, which is the portion of the film, whether it be the production or the story or the acting or whatever that stole the show for us and, and, and really sealed the deal. If we happen to like the film for me, it comes down to the creation of the world. Um, the, the, character design and the the animation really uh this could not have looked more mario than it did um it was just a beautiful beautiful recreation of the worlds that have been created in various games Um, when you play the games really every every game sort of has its own different take on mario's worlds um you know if you're playing super mario odyssey the mushroom kingdom is its own planet called the you know like the mushroom kingdom uh, planets, uh, or they call it the Mushroom Kingdom, but you know it's like its own little world. If you play Super Mario 3D World, you know you've got all these different versions of you know World One One. What does the Mushroom Kingdom look like? Every w- game you play has a different look to it, and that can make it really hard to tackle a movie like this where you can't have that variation. You have to have consistency. You have to have it mapped out. Like this is here, this is there. It has to look a certain way, and you have to incorporate elements of a video game that at times is a side-scrolling 2D type video game. It, it's, you know, it seems simple, but it's really a difficult thing to do. And I thought the way that um, Illumination brought this together was brilliant. I think one of the strengths of Illumination as a animation studio has always been their character design. They always use color really well. They always make things look really vibrant and, and inviting and warm and that's exactly what you need for Mario. Um, I have a lot of criticisms of this studio from a storytelling 
uh, from a storytelling perspective, but when it comes to creating a world for their movies to live in, they do a really good job. And this was just beautiful. And I think the piece that a lot of people may not be picking up on or may misinterpret is the characters themselves. They each looked a little bit different from how those characters look in the games. And there's a reason for that. And that reason is it has to match in a way the actor, they have to do a little bit of mocap so that whenever their mouths are moving, it looks like that character could be delivering the lines. So the Mario that you see looks a little bit different because it's a Mario Chris Pratt hybrid. Um, and so people think, well, why doesn't it look exactly like Mario looks in the games? It actually can't. It can't look exactly the same because they have to build it in such a way that um, it will jive whenever he is talking. It has to look like he's actually delivering it. And believe it or not, if the face is not moving in the way that the person who's delivering the line's face moves, it will look weird. And we've seen this in the past, but it's one of those things that um, you just don't know otherwise. And so when you look at these characters, you can see a little bit of Chris Pratt. You can see a little bit of Anya Taylor-Joy. You can see a little bit of Jack Black. There's a reason for that. And even though there's something slightly uncanny about that, because you're like, wait a second, I know exactly how these characters are supposed to look. It's actually the exact right approach. And um, them knowing that and having the confidence to do it and being able to go in and say, listen, listen, Mr. Miyamoto, we know you created these characters. We know that you know exactly how these are supposed to look, but trust us to create different little versions of your characters that will fit into the world that we're creating for your movie. The confidence, the, the, the uh, acumen, the, you know, the technical skill to be able to execute that is so high level. And from the characters all the way through to the different worlds in, these, um, in this world of the Super Mario Bros. movie, I thought it was brilliant. I really, really love that component. My favorite part about this episode is that we are speaking so uh, detailed about this movie. <laughs> and yet, we're wearing what we're wearing. This And talking about silly, the movie that we're talking about. <laughs> this Mario hat that's, I don't know, like three inches off the top of my head because it's on top of my headphones. And the Yoshi hat that's on you that is now, I think, fallen by about 12 inches. Oh, easily. Yeah, it's covered up my entire gone. right eye. My right eye is fully <laughs> eclipsed now. I will never, I cannot see anything. Oh, I'm still, I will keep you posted, everybody, if he becomes fully Yoshi. It will happen. It will happen. <laughs> my showstopper is strictly the source material. It is very, very easy for and off often happens for a movie that is adapting from a video game to have to take certain liberties to make it work for the screen and that is not the case with this you've played a you've played a super mario bros movie a uh, game sometime in your life i'm sure i'm absolutely positive you have sometime between 1985 and now i promise you have and this feels 100% exactly as those games play out um, there was always an opportunity for this to really just take on a completely different tone, um, a completely different plot, and it really just stuck to kidnapping, saving Bowser, Mario, and that is the whole thing that it needs. I'm so excited that it kept to that, that it stuck to that, and what it gives me hope for is that everything's a universe now, right? So if the Super Mario Bros. movie continues to be successful as we've seen it at least from the box office perspective if it continues to be successful like this 
I'm sure they're already plotting for the next expansion. Super Mario Bros. Movie 2, Super Mario Bros. Paper Mario, Super Mario Bros. Galaxy, Luigi's Mansion, and so on and so on. There are lots of opportunities for that to continue to grow. And my only hope is that it sticks to the formula that made this one so successful is that sticking to the storyline of the characters, they didn't change. A lot of the times people will often compare uh, Toy Story 4 as a good uh, kind of palette uh, test to say those characters completely changed from the story arc that we got from 1, 2, and 3, and it doesn't make sense for their characters to make the choices that they did in the fourth one. Some stranger on Reddit is going to argue that that's exactly the growth that they needed. And I would tell you, no, that is not that person at their core, that toy, if you will. And in this sense, these characters are exactly as we could have ever imagined them to be. And thank goodness for it. My showstopper again, the source material, the truth and the honesty of that and not straying away from it. I like that. I like that take. All right, moving on to director shoes and some some notes or critiques we have about the film, things we would change about it. Um, for me, the area there's a couple areas I really want to dial into, but one that really um, sort of took me out of it at times was the soundtrack. I thought the soundtrack was inexcusable, and I want I want to be I want to be clear <laughs> when I say that I do not mean the score. The score I thought was phenomenal. Uh, Mario has. Some of the best music ever in any video game franchise. It's and I, I don't mean that in just like it has iconic themes that people recognize. Truly beautiful music has been created for the Mario universe. I mean, I find myself singing, singing uh, or humming along little Mario Galaxy songs or Mario Odyssey songs or Super Mario 3D World songs all the time, just in my head. I mean, it's beautiful stuff. I love it. I've listened to it on Spotify, and they incorporated so much of that into the score of this film and the score was so thoughtful and, and just excellent. But there were a few, uh, quite a few times really in this movie where they chose to stray from the score, um, really as a security blanket, uh, to throw in songs that have mass appeal, um, just to kind of, I don't know what they were thinking up the energy, make things feel better appeal to the masses. I don't know. Some of the songs they used you know, you're not going to be surprised by any of these songs. I Need a Hero, Take On Me, um, Thunderstruck. They were using a lot of, like, songs that have been way overdone in films and, and particularly animated films over the years. And I just thought that was ridiculous um, because the Mario music speaks for itself, and it's great. And it has the power to evoke every emotion you could have needed it to evoke in this film without the help of outside <laughs> songs or, um, you know, really anything outside of the score. And the them playing Take On Me at one point in this film made, frankly, zero sense. And I immediately thought, what in the world is going on here? Um, so I was, I was upset about that. I felt like that felt like a reach. It felt like trying to play it super safe. And I don't like how that makes me feel when I know a movie is just doing something to try to, um, pander. Um, and that's, that's basically what it was. I think the other thing about this movie that I struggle with a little bit as just, this is a strictly like Mario fan portion of, uh, you know, from a Mario fan perspective is the, 
usage of the Kongs as a, you know, a large portion of this movie, as you could tell from the trailers, the Kongs are involved in this film um, and are involved in many of the trailers. So you know that they're involved in this movie. And even when the trailers were coming out, I thought to myself, you know, Donkey Kong is tied to Mario from the original game, you know, throwing barrels at the top of the, the arena as they tumble down and ruin your whole life and make you throw your controller across the room. Um, but beyond that, the Kongs have not really been involved in mainline Mario games. You know, they've been involved in Mario Party and Mario Kart and the various spinoffs, but they're not actually part of the Mario world. So I don't want to get into exactly how much they're involved in this movie, whether it was um, too much or too little. I think having spoken lines from Kongs was almost <laughs> too much. And you saw that in the trailer, obviously. So I was, that decision is interesting. I think I understand the plot reasons why they decided to go that route, but um, I would have found something else. And uh, I would have found other characters that could have been used uh, more in the movie that were, were not featured really at all in this film. Um, so I'm not going to say who those characters are because that would be a spoiler, but I think that there were plenty of Mario characters that would have made sense in this movie that were not featured. So those are my main main critiques. I like the separation that you called out about the score and the soundtrack because I agree. I agree. This, the score, oh, it's just, I, I want to listen to this to this score of this one over and over, and I don't do that kind of thing. Like, that would be really just pleasing. Um, but the soundtrack, like when Kate Bush's Running Up That Hill came on when they were in the lava scene, <laughs> I just, I thought, really, that seems overplayed. It seems overplayed. <laughs> That's a good one, Kirk. Love that. I think I also just deeply sighed into the microphone, so apologies for anybody listening if I just, like, exploded your... <laughs> earbuds actually that did not happen uh kate bush did not appear in this however what True. a big missed opportunity for the other risks they were taking musically they, could have. they threw in so many of these like super popular songs they could have done that they should they should have done we don't talk about bruno i mean they just <laughs> <laughs> hit all hit all the uh tiktok hits over the past few years honestly you know i i could have my gucci on megan trainer should have <laughs> appeared in this it is illumination after all no kidding my director's shoes, uh, not too many. I've got to go. My biggest complaint from the voice acting crew, and I always blame the director on this, was Cranky Kong's uh, choices. Fred Armisen plays this character. He is in the trailer. He's on the poster, Mr. Cranky Kong. Uh, you know, Big Donkey Kong's daddy, I think. Is that the lore? I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. Fact check me. To be honest, I don't know... I've played all the Donkey Kong Country games, and I can't honestly tell you if it's ever been confirmed that he is the dad Okay. before now, but clearly he is, I guess. Yeah, biological or adopted. We, we're not quite sure on that front, but let's just call him the dad. The voice was distracting. Everything else was so strong in this movie, and we hit the Kongs, and we hit Cranky Kong, and you're like, wait a second. Is that Cranky Kong? Is this, uh, is this a, a decoy? Cranky Kong. I was confused. I was confused by the choice and by the director allowing the particular vocalization of Cranky Kong. It got me. And the other thing, I do b believe that there is some criticism of this out there. There are a lot of location changes in the first quarter of this film. It very much 
like crazy Coco Melon vibes, like can't sit still, let's go, let's go. I do get it that it is a, a kid's movie. That's not lost on me. You need to keep this momentum up, and the movie does not suffer with, with a momentum loss. Um, but there were what seemed to be and maybe this is more of an editing issue than, than anything. There seemed to be too many location jumps and I was kind of got a little dizzy, honestly, like, Whoa, where am I at suddenly? Uh, and I kind of, kind of caught my breath and then we had a longer scene and it set things back to pace. So there's a one section where you're just jumping and jumping and jumping and jumping to different places, different locations. And then, it, it gets back on course uh, much like if you, if you crash on Mario Kart and you have that little guy pick you up and throw you back onto the course. So those are my director's shoe notes. Nice. All right. Final thoughts and scores uh, for the super Mario bros movie. Let's get into it. Kirk. This is, this is tough. I feel like my whole life is built up to this moment. And now here I am wearing a giant, ridiculous Yoshi hat <laughs> and I, <laughs> I have to do this. Um, I'll be honest and say that this was really tough for me. I think that there is just something, and I used this word earlier, but there's just something a little bit uncanny about actually seeing the Mario movie. I think there's something about like, you know how um, you think you want something and you ask about it and you ask about it and you ask about it and then you, you get it and you're like, you know what? I think I may have idealized that in my head. Um, I'm not going to go as far as to say that that's what happened here, but there there was something uncanny here, just something that's like, because we never see Mario talk this much, because we never see really any character development for Mario ever, you know? Like, that's it's. I've been playing these games for 25 years. It never happens. It is, you are Mario, save whoever, the princess or the fairies or the mushroom kingdom or Luigi or whatever. Like that is the extent of it. There is no diving into any feelings. There is no development at all. There's no backstory. There's nothing, you know, it's it. So, you know, when you're sitting here and they have to tell a story and you're getting backstory and you're getting exposition and you're getting character building, there's just a little bit something weird about it. And it's not bad. Of course they have to do those things. Of course they have to tell this story, but it's just that portion of it has made it really hard for me to evaluate this movie. Um, the other portion, and I'll, I'll apologize because this is going to be a bit of a soapbox long winded thing here is that when, um, as I said on last week's pods, I was, I, this is one movie where I actually was watching the reviews come in cause I was so nervous that it was going to be bad. And the vast majority of critics reviews that I read were uh, mixed, you know, just far ends of the spectrum. And what it really comes down to is that there are there, I think um, what it comes down to or, or what I've, you know, kind of hypothesized since that time is that there are kind of two schools of thought on this. I think if you can remember when, when Martin Scorsese came out and said that, um, you know, the Marvel movies, he has tried to watch them, but he can't because it's not cinema. It's, uh, you know, an, an amusement park ride or something. That is one school of thought, you know, that that cinema should be art. That, th that if you're making a movie, it should be art, meaning that it has themes and, and um, visual storytelling and, and, and shots that place objects in specific areas and people and um, choreography and blocking and, and, and all of these things, that that's what filmmaking is. Um, and the other school of thought is that um, if you're making a movie, it doesn't have to, you know, you just have to be effectively telling 
what you are trying to tell. Effectively accomplishing what you set out to accomplish is what makes something good and, and recognizable as a piece of art and a piece of um, cinema or, or film or whatever. And I tend to fall into that camp. Um, I tend to fall in the camp of, I need to watch a movie, and if I think it's good, it needs to answer this question. Why was this movie made? What was the reason for it? What was the, what was the purpose of it? And it doesn't matter if the purpose is stupid. If it accomplishes the purpose, and it does so effectively, it does so as efficiently as possible, it can be a great movie. And this film is not, you know, conventionally a piece of art. I mean, it has great animation from characters that have existed in the past, but there's very little plot. There's very little um, development and things like that. There's very little, you know, light theming and, and, and what have you. But what it is, is it, uh, it answers that question. It answers that question. What was this created for? Well, it was created to tell the story of Mario for fans, to reward the fans, and to bring Mario to the big screen, which is what Mario fans have wanted. Um, and it does that extremely effectively. It delivers tons of fan service. It delivers tons of great moments, uh, things that get you up out of your seat if you're a Mario fan. It delivers the exact look and feel that you're hoping for, the great music, the characters, the the little the little Easter eggs, and, and all of the different pieces that you would want in a film. And so for that reason, um, you know, you're able to look past the, the areas where it's thinned, or at least I am. And so after much deliberation, I'm giving this movie an 8.0 out of 10 kernels. Um, I think it is great. I always set 8.0 as the threshold for, for a great movie. And I think this movie was really thoughtful in attacking what are we trying to do here? We're trying to deliver the best Mario experience we can on the silver screen. And I think that they came pretty darn close. So I give them an 8.0 out of 10. That was beautiful. They're very beautiful. Just a reminder that Cam has that big, <laughs> giant, beautiful Yoshi. I was making a lot of very serious faces as I was talking, and then I kept glancing at and being like, don't take yourself seriously. You're an embarrassment. Like, oh, those are the giant Yoshi nostrils. <laughs> Just yes. inches above Each my Each of them holes. larger than my own eyeballs. Uh, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous in every way. <laughs> I love it. I love how you set that up about uh, what what are the themes? What is art? And am I having a good time for this movie? I one hundred percent fall into the camp as well of having a good time. I have been uh, just very very. <laughs> I don't know what the word should be. Lucky? I don't know. I've been. I track all of my movies on Letterbox, just like Cam does. Letterbox is an app where you can rate and review films. Make sure you check it out. Letterboxd, B O X D, uh, on any kind of app store. And I'm looking back at the movies that I've I've watched in the, over the past week, and I've hit like banger after banger after banger. And one of them, Mario Bros, sits right in the middle of the last ten films that I watched. And I'm like, you know, that movie was just so much fun i've i've watched the pianist with adrian brody in it recently and i watched leaving las vegas and i've watched dungeons and dragons and i watched the super mario bros and this is just so different from all of those but 
so enjoyable. So run to the theaters, see this in theaters with the crowd, with Super Mario Bro fans all over wearing costumes and shouting her, you know, Yahoo at the screen. It is such a blast. And what more do we want than to get people back to the theaters to keep the biggest and best movies alive? We can always put a movie on streaming. We know that we did that, but there's something so much more magical that cements a, a film into history and cements it into your life and your lifestyle and the way you connect with someone when you can see it in a room full of strangers sometimes as strange as that might be but strangers enjoying the same exact thing at the same exact time uh, who never would have met otherwise and then you can just go out and discuss that with the world it's so fun it's something that me and cam talk about you know too like we know each other but a lot of our listeners you're real strangers to us you might be fans we hope you are but you're strangers and you get to talk and listen to us and be the fly on the wall in the room so this movie oh so much fun despite the few flaws that i mentioned and my score is high today ladies and gents i have to give this a 9.6 out of 10 yeah that's that's a big boy score I love it, Kirk. I'm 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 tearing up over here because that that speech of yours was just beautiful. The the community of film watching, man, there's just nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And frankly, this is what's getting people to the theaters right now. And yeah. um, you know what? This this could be the film that that starts a love of film for somebody. And it could, you know, it's not taxi driver, but maybe years years from now, it's the reason that kids pick up uh, Scorsese whenever they're of age and not going to be emotionally scarred by any of his films. Maybe it's the reason that they, you know, things like this, they matter. They do matter. Um, and you know, lots of artsy fartsies can scoff at it and that, and that's fine. That's their right. And that's their opinion. And, and that's all fine. But what you said is, is exactly right on the money. Um, I think the wrong thing to do is to laugh this out of the, you know, this or, or any other, um, you know, very whatever simple-minded type of, of kids movie because they accomplished the objective that they set out to accomplish. Um, mm-hmm. uh, whether you, whether you like it or not, they did exactly what they wanted to do. And guess what? The crowds are responding. People are seeing this movie one, two, three times, um, you know, over the long, you know, holiday spring break, Easter type weekend, people were going to the movies and going back and seeing it. And I, saw it twice and sat in packed theaters both times. And that was an awesome feeling because Kirk, you and I sit in a lot of empty theaters, a ton of empty cinemas, um, seeing all kinds of movies. And so it, you know, the energy that you talk about, like that, the, the community around it, that's real. And it's so important. Well, I love that this might be the movie that, someone falls in love with film like that's it cool. could be that's really cool to think about like it could be the film that that gets our kids interested in movies you know it really could like our kids will probably watch this movie a hundred times <laughs> right yes. like we did that when we were little watching the lion king or or whatever what have you and this could be the movie that makes them think man movies are awesome they're powerful when i was watching it with my sons they there was one moment in this movie i gotta be careful 
there was one moment in this movie where they absolutely lost their minds. And when I took them to see it a second time, they lost their minds again. And I was like, dude, that is it right there. That's what it's all about. Um, and it's just, it's great. I get giddy talking about it. And, you know, sounds like from both of our perspectives, you know, well done. Mission accomplished <laughs> on the Mario movie. They they successfully brought Mario to the silver screen as far as we're concerned. And uh, that's a very exciting thing. It's there. It's there forever now. Awesome. Well, that's it. That's been your spoiler-free review of the Super Mario Bros. movie. If you disagree and think we did spoil it, <laughs> Let me know. I don't think we did. I think I everything think we so. talked about was in the trailer. So um, what have you, but I hope that it doesn't matter because you've already seen the movie. And if you haven't seen the movie, I hope you feel inspired to go see it and form your own opinion on it. As we always talk about uh, build that community of film, build that community of talking about movies, whether you fall into the camp like me and Kirk that think, Hey, if you accomplish what you're we're setting out to do, great. Or if you fall into the Martin Scorsese camp of uh, this is not art, whatever, uh, that's that's fine too because ev- all are welcome, and we love we love us some Scorsese films. So we do. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of this community. We have such a such a fun time bringing this together, and thank you for tolerating um, this ridiculous Yoshi hat and Kirk's hat as well. Um, throughout the duration of this episode for any YouTube viewers. Until next time, we're going to leave you with special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, and his band, Rhetoric, that created the original music you're about to hear right now. We hope you guys have a wonderful week, and we will see you next week. Talk to you then. Wahoo!